They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. <laughs> this should be a good one. But let's let's get there in time. Let's start off with the Battle of the Riches. Man City applying pressure to Arsenal for the title chase early on this morning. They had a 2-0 win versus Newcastle and it was quite comfortable, I guess. What do you, you think about that? Newcastle never really offered much much threat. I know there was an early Callum Wilson chance, but other than that, City didn't really have much to deal with. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's the same story as as the as a week ago in the final. They could have all the ball they want, but they just don't look like they're ever going to score in this current moment of time. And I mean, it's as like I said, I, I, I just think they've run out of steam. It's they've I wouldn't say they're this bad or they should be this bad, but they probably shouldn't have been third or fourth. Right. So they've. I think they're somewhere in between. Their right level is somewhere in between. But right now, they're absolutely on on their lowest uh, form slash abilities. And Joel Linton got a, red, a yellow card. He's going to be suspended for the next two games. We know how crucial he is, right? I, I mean, uh, of course, there's uh, Bruno Kimarais who, who's crucial. But Joel Linton's been very crucial in, in the midfield too. So... Yeah, like I said, at the end, I think it was just comfortable for City. City looked solid, right? They didn't have to do anything too crazy. Um, good goal from Foden, uh, just an individual brilliance. And the second goal, Bernardo Silva comes on. We've been seeing that a lot from, from City recently, and that's their strength. Someone comes off the bench, and they score within minutes. So, yeah, overall, as expected, a, a comfortable City win over a struggling Newcastle side. The way they got their goal in this one was interesting too. Usually, against a low block, we see intricate passing plays and movements from from City to create and open up those gaps. But this one was just a slalom run from Phil Foden, and time again, like he's he just does it time and time again, just brilliant. So, but a player that I wanted to kind of highlight out for City, who has been impressing me week after week now, Nathan Ake. It's interesting how we always talk about Pep adapting his side. He's done it again. And Ake is the guy right now for him. Yeah, I mean, but still, I, I, Ake is... I mean, that's not his best position, right? But he's he's done well. Um, there could only be upwards, right? He could only go upwards from the way he started at City. But you, you, have, to, you have to admit, compared to Cancelo at his peak... When Ake starts at a left back, there's just not enough attacking wise, right? And that's another hurdle that they have to get over because they don't have him anymore, him as in Cancelo. So if they want to proceed even further in the Champions League or maybe even in the Premier League too, they have to come up with something different because Ake, as good as he is or has been, he it just isn't the, the peak Cancelo. I agree. They're different types of players, but I just rate what Ake is bringing to the side from that left-back position. Yes, not, maybe you say it's not his natural position, but the way Pep is using him, it's working well because it 
when there's a tricky winger, a pacey winger that you're going up against, it seeming like we wouldn't really want anybody else except Aki to defend him. He seems unpassable. And that he certainly has that strength over Cancelo, right? But I mean, I'm just saying this from the games that I've watched where he's played compared to the last two seasons. City coming unstuck a few times a season is quite perhaps possibly due to that that difference. And I know on the other side now, Rico Lewis is being asked to do what Cancelo used to do, coming into the middle and really almost act as a central midfield player. But even then, you know, it's just not going to be at the level of the, the one of the best fullbacks in the world at the time that we were talking about Cancelo, right? So, Of course. Well, no, I, I don't want to compare them. I just think they're too different to compare because they're almost polar opposites. But hats off to City for even scouting both of them in the first place and utilizing them to their strengths very well. The side that they chase. <laughs> Yo. Boy, I went crazy for this one. I was nervous. Obviously, at the start, we got caught cold. But, yo, Reese Nelson, what an impact. A guy I've been rating this whole time needs some chances. I know injuries have hurt him, but, dog, what an impact. I just have two questions for you this game. You know, I was watching the Chelsea game and then, for whatever reason, Chelsea game ended a lot earlier than the Arsenal game. So I was watching the last few minutes. And I always felt the goal was coming, right? Against a struggling Bournemouth side away from home. But is that the goal that wins you the title? Boy, it's feeling like it because... No, no, no. It's a yes or no. Is that is that the I, goal that wins you I the mean, title? I mean, it, it has to be at this point. It really does because this is now Manu last minute goal to win it. Aston Villa last goal to win it. Fulham last minute goal to win it. It just again against Bournemouth. It's like everything is just falling into our favor to say, yo, three points is coming your way. We're finding a way. Is this also just showing showing the the the, the desire or is this is this fate? I don't know, but this is like, it's just like, all right, it has to be. It has to be. Uh, yeah, and like I said, I think those wins, those late winners, you probably see, what, a handful of times in a season, even at that. But like you said, now you've, that's at least five games now that you've won home and away with, I mean, this one was virtually the last kick of the game. And that... I mean, I've been saying this from since January, but that pretty much tells me that it's. I think you're destined to win the title, pretty much, because I don't see City pulling out that result. If they were put in the same situation, you know, going down after what nine seconds it was, which the goal, I guess, technically shouldn't have stood. Um, the the Bournemouth players were over the halfway line, but I guess that's one of the things that. Well, it wasn't checked before because there was no VAR. And it's one of those things that just kind of gets glossed over, right? I remember, I remember, I think it was Ericsson who scored against us uh, after 14 seconds. And even that one, uh, Tottenham players were, were halfway or over the half line. But, wow, well, I mean, I will just have to give them credit 
credit where it's due. This it's not easy to come back from two nil. I mean, second half, what sixtieth minute, right? So, but well, I mean, let me tell you that like, it's like the like you say, you felt like it was coming, but then when it, the seconds are tip, ticking down, I mean, as a fan, you're just feeling like this is it. Like the ball went out for a goal kick in the ninety fifth and a half minute. And you're just thinking, we were supposed to get the extra minute because Adam Smith went down, but you're just, you're thinking, boy, that's it. But, well, that, but, but like even that, on a different day, those, during the stoppage time, usually gets, you know, dismissed, right? So That's what I was scared of. I was really scared. And, I, and that's why I took note of that. And I, I was like, let me see if anything else happens and I'll just add it on and see what kind of add-ons that they do. But that was the only one. So I said, let me see how, how they play it. And they did. Arsenal were on an attack. They maybe it was the middle of the field, but it's going forward. So the ref let it play. I was surprised, but deserve it nonetheless. And of all people, Reese Friggin Nelson, Academy player. Shite. And then just one more question. I mean, I've seen this on, on the timeline and, and such. You guys have never been in a title race at the Emirates, right? Where I mean, I guess there was one against Leicester uh, in that 2016 season. And then I remember the Danny Welbuck goal to win you the game against Leicester, right? That was the only... You guys were the only side to do the double over Leicester that season. But I feel... Is this probably the biggest goal that you've seen at the Emirates ever? Uh, just against Leicester, I know it was the direct title opponent, but you've always felt at the time Leicester were just an elephant on, on a tree, whereas you're going up against City this time, who are what who have won four of the last five Premier League seasons. No, this this was big. You know, I considered that. I, I look back on moments and I'm thinking about you know crucial moments in, in league situations where obviously that Welbeck moment, even the Champions League one with Arshavin against Barca. I mean this the Henri one as well was big, but that one was more of a, you know, a memory type of yeah, thing. Just big yeah. Right. And it was more the, the, the story of him coming back. But this one, the importance of it and the, the clutchness in the last kick of the game. That's the thing. It's, it's the pressure of the last kick. This is it. This is it. Do or die. And the man did it. And it was and beautiful for it to come from the academy man. Reese Nelson, left foot as well. By the way, his assist was left foot as well. This guy needs five star week foot in FIFA, bro. <laughs> that is if he gets a special card, but he has to know at this point. That has to be a team, bro. If he doesn't, that shit rigged <laughs> as hell. But yo, that was crazy. But yo, Chelsea, they ended up with a one nil victory over Leeds, and I do want to ask. I feel like. You know, you say you were watching this one. Do you feel like that this was a turnaround kind of victory, or do you feel like it's just it's just one of those wins that they get they're gonna just pretty much fall back down? Well, this was the game for Grand Potter because if he doesn't win this, and well, I guess they were speaking of watching the Dortmund game as well, but that's two games now that was talked about being very crucial. Tottenham, obviously, they lost against Leeds. Two of the teams Chelsea fans hate up there in terms of the hatred towards. And Chelsea should have won this game, I think. So when you watch Chelsea, 
you can tell they have quality. And especially Joan Felix, if you watch the first 15 minutes of this game, wow. I mean, this guy is, I, I see why he was being touted as one of the best youngsters in, in Europe when he moved from, was it Benfica to Atletico Madrid? He, he certainly has the quality. He's very good. But that's about it, right? Everything good about Chelsea comes in spells. And after the first 15 minutes, Leeds grew into the game. And at that point, it was a 50-50. They both had to go at each other. Leeds could have scored once or twice too, but Chelsea at the back were were pretty solid. I thought their centre-halves were very solid for the first time in a while. You know, Fofana was very good. Even Koulibaly was, was very solid as well. And that is without Thiago Silva, they reverted back to the back three. But in the second half, of course, who comes to the rescue? This is a story that was, I mean, we're used to seeing on a Tuchel, right? Center half scoring the goals for Chelsea because they didn't have a striker. From a decently delivered corner, Fofana rises the highest to deliver their first goal in, I think, three weeks it was. Um, they only scored one goal in February, so... I imagine what a big relief it must have been for not only the manager, but, but the owner. I mean, who he's under immense pressure, right, to, to sack the manager. And the fans, too. I mean, this is the first time they're going to be celebrating a goal in, or they, had, they couldn't celebrate for three weeks, you know. So, but I just, this is what it's going to come down to, right? Chelsea need to, they need to hold on to a, a goal lead and one nil is the most dangerous lead in football right that's that's a very popular saying and for Chelsea it's especially true because goals are very like I said goals have been very hard to come by for Chelsea if they could spend 600 million pounds for more than one goal I think they would pay that right now because that, that's how bad they are struggling in front of goal like Hufford's had a great chance I mean it was on his right foot weaker foot but the guy just doesn't look confident in, in front of goal. And I, I don't blame him, you know, the way the season's going for them. I don't blame him. But yeah, just Chelsea are going to need to figure out a way to score more goals because 1-0 is... 1-0 wins are are the barometers for, for a good team. And would you say Chelsea are a good team now? Not right now. Well, what, what do you think they have to do to turn these spells that you're talking about into consistent chances. I mean, I feel like the more chances that they put up, the more goals that they're going to score. Just, you know, law of averages, simple as that. But what do they have to do? Because you can make the argument that they're not, they don't have a striker to finish off these chances, which they don't. And I think that's clear to say. But is it also a matter of them just not having the, the urgency or the intensity to continue with the flows that they can clearly produce throughout the game, they're just not doing it enough. That has to be a part of it too. I mean, you look at the way their season's going and it, it's rightfully so. Like you can understand why the heads drop, right? When when things, when things, a good chance goes begging, a, a, a great chance. And I mean, a goals change games. And if you're not scoring goals, it's going to make it harder for everybody. And it's, it's probably part of it is is mentality too and somehow they're gonna have to get through it because they can't bring in a striker it's it's already march they have to find solutions within and 
we have to see something from the manager too, right? To, to get the players going, to get the players to, like you said, step up and, you know, really try to thrash teams away uh, instead of just, you know, scraping by and hoping to score one goal, hoping to keep a clean sheet because the, I, I don't think they've proven that they can do that this season. So they're going to have to keep up their their mentality ensure their heads don't drop and I, we know mentality is such a big thing in football that I will never understand because I've never played at that level but we know how important it is and that's uh yeah that that's a crucial thing for Chelsea right now I think and yeah speaking of teams lacking goals Wolves as well, another team struggling for goals, but they were able to tip one against Tottenham, and it was a great win, because <laughs> now that's looking like uh, a top four battle that is not as convincing as we were thinking. What do you make of this one? I can't believe that they rested some key players in the midweek. In the competition, they have a very good chance of winning. This season, you know, Arsenal are out, uh, Liverpool are out, Chelsea are out. Only City and United to to go past, and I'm I'm saying this in terms of the big six, but against Sheffield, you haven't won a trophy since 2008, and you decide. I get it, top four is important too, but you decide to put out a weak inside, and then proceed to put in this performance at Wolves. I'll be very vexed if I were a Tottenham fan because it just doesn't make sense. You go out to you go out to a, a champion side in the in the FA Cup and you rest key players. You expect the team to bounce back because especially combined with the fact that they've been rested for this key game. I mean, is it even a key game? I mean, it's one of the games that you would, you know, they could have cemented themselves into the fourth position because Newcastle had lost, but to put in that performance. It's inexcusable. Yeah, it almost feels like a waste of a rest, really. Because they lost the game that they rested the players. And then they lost the game that they rested the players for. So, right. it was just a complete <laughs> waste. Which, we don't mind at all. So, <laughs> But what are you thinking? Are they still favourites for this top four spot? I... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm too certain about that anymore. I mean, we'll touch on that, I guess. But Liverpool can now go above Spurs if they win their game in hand. You know, I, I know Newcastle still have two games in hand over, over Spurs. But, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, does it make sense to keep Conte in the job? I, I've, been, I've been seeing a lot of that from Tottenham fans. And th there was a quote by Daniel Levy when he sacked Mourinho, famous before the, the EFL Cup final. He said, we're looking to bring in a manager who will enable us to play that free-flowing, attacking football that we're known for. What? <laughs> but anyway, and to incorporate the, the youth coming up from their ranks. Does Conte fit any of those bills? He does not play free-flowing, attacking football. He's a very pragmatic, defensive-minded coach and that gets results, or I should say it used to, 
and he does not use the youth players. He does not rate them. Whatever it is, he just doesn't trust them. And then you, you can see it in the signings, even at Inter. He was bringing in 30-year-old players like Sanchez, Ashley Young, Eriksen, uh, Darmian, and all these guys who are there to win now. He's not there to develop the younger players. And we see that with, uh, with Jet Spence. He's, he's frozen him out and loaned him out. Brian Hill, he hardly gives him a chance, even though he's looked okay. So he's said one thing, and he's gone ahead and done a, a totally different thing. And before Conte, they hired Nuno, right? Nuno was not known for, I mean, maybe he's known for bringing the, the youth, but he's not known for a free flow and attacking football. And their football under Nuno was, was atrocious too, right? So where did Tottenham go from here if they don't make the top four? I mean, Conte coming in was a big failure. He didn't win, or he's not going to win any cups um, when his contract expires at the end of the season. You know, I just, I'm, I'm very concerned about the, I mean, I'm not, but I'll be very concerned if I were a Tottenham fan about the direction <laughs> direction they're headed towards because there, there is no direction right now. You can't say that and bring in a manager like Conte or, or Nuno. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're pretty much you now. They really took a big dent in their top four, top four aspirations for this season. Yeah, although I'll, I'll say yeah, but although I'll say the the loss was probably a bit harsh. I mean, they hit the post through Son. I mean, who who's Adama scores what once a year, and he came up with that brilliance. Uh, it's it's a harsh loss, but uh, did they do enough to win the game? No, not that either. Yep, and a team that is under up now for their top four aspirations. Sorry to bring it up in this fashion, but Liverpool did the damage. They did do the damage. And boy, where do we start? Um, I mean, I'm not as, as distraught as you might expect me to be. I mean, 7 mil. I mean, of course, it, it it hurts. I mean, does it feel great to lose by seven goals? No. But I mean, I, I, yeah, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not crying over it. You know, in a way where, I mean, do I think the season's over now? No. Um, do I? It hurts that we've given Liverpool that that boost for them to make it into the top four. Maybe, perhaps. But I just, I think. Everybody got this game wrong, um, and, and just I'll just say that. To me, it felt like you guys were a bit more playing for the occasion than Liverpool were. I feel like Liverpool were playing the game, and for for Manu, it was a bit more about the passion. What I do want to ask you though first, because I think this will kind of give us a big picture view of the situation. Do you still feel? I mean. Even though it's a 7 loss, it's still zero points at the same day as if you lose 1-0. It's still the same. Do you feel like this result brings you back down into a top four just for a Champions League battle? Or do you see yourself still in the title race? No, I mean, we were never in the title race. I mean, I've said it, I know. But it's you can tell from my, my tone. It was, it was more of a lighthearted slash... It was more hope. 
it was it was more of a hope, right? I it, realistically we were not in a in a title race. I know we're what eight points behind Arsenal, but it's we were never in a full on title race like how Arsenal and City are in. Um, but yeah, this this tells me that uh, it's it's not a a given that we're coming into the top four either because all that goal difference we've. I know it's still zero points only at the end of the day, but that all that goal difference that we've worked to to kind of manage. I mean, we got to I think plus fifteen or thirteen plus thirteen. Sorry, now that's been wiped back down to plus six, and who knows? Goal difference could play a big factor in, in the top four race, and we've given Liverpool, who could potentially be our top four competitor, a plus seven boost. Their goal difference is plus sixteen. Yeah, so, you know, and that's a great point. Not just on the goal difference, though. You've They've been dragged back into the battle on a whole. So the question now is not only about the actual goal difference, because that's a great point, but psychologically, where does this leave you guys? Yeah, I, I didn't... Um, I mean, a 2-0, 3-0, it's hard. I get it. This is not some... I mean, even at the Emirates, right? It's, it's concerning that we've shipped six to City, three to Arsenal at the Emirates. And now seven to to Liverpool at, at Anfield. That's what sixteen goals that we've shipped away to one of the big six clubs. At three 0 it should have stopped there. You know, even the first goal, it's okay, good finish from Gapo, I get it, but it's 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 wholly preventable. Right? Where is Anthony? Where is he to be Fred is having to be shifted out wide? He ultimately takes the wrong angle to that for that pass and let's Let's get pulled through. Second goal, dare I say, a classic FIFA goal. Just poor clearance, you know. Just and it falls to the right person at the right time. I don't even know Harvey Elliott meant to cross that to Nunes. It just happened to find Nunes at the at the right position in his head. And the third goal, I mean, I get a two 0 We we need to get a goal right away, but you know, at two 0 the third goal decides the game, right? If you score, you're back in it. But then if you concede. I mean, we saw it against Arsenal, right? They're 2-0 down and they score one, the third goal, and they're back in it. But once you concede that third goal, I mean, it's pretty much it. And to see what was it, what I, I saw some players jogging back and it was ultimately four on three. I know it was Salah's brilliant control that, that Don Martinez, but, you know, I just, okay, 3-0, I get it. It's the game's gone out of our hands in, in the space of five minutes. It should have stopped there, it, but it didn't. And that's a bit concerning to me because we have not seen that in, in recent times. You know, the, all, all the goals that came afterwards was just, it, it should have been prevented. It should never have gone in. It's just pretty much players just giving up, not caring, you know. It's one thing to... to Put up a fight for 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 the club, for the fans, for the manager, but even for yourself, you know, do you want to be humiliated seven nil on on an enemy turf when you know it's it's probably your biggest rival and it's um it should hurt them. If it doesn't hurt them, I don't know what else will because I mean seven conceding seven against. A struggling Liverpool side. That's why we were so expectant of of the team going into the game. You know, and we talked about, oh, we're not gonna let Liverpool play their game. 
it seemed like everyone didn't know how to play football. You know, they, I think it's a, it's a bit of both. I mean, Liverpool were very energetic. I don't know where that came from because they had not shown that all season. Right. And a bit of that plus uh, players not rising up to the occasion to the Derby. And I think that could be, I mean, I, I've complained before about Ten Hag not rotating too much, right? This is now a theme. We, we're starting games on, on the back foot because everyone is so tired. They've played so many games. We've played the most games in England among, uh, I think, everybody. And we saw it against Newcastle in the first half. We were having to sit back because Newcastle were, were on the front foot, very energetic, high intensity. But then they're not good enough to score, you know, three, four, five past us, right? So we, we ended up getting... Two crucial goals at, at the right time, but it's it's different against Liverpool, I guess, especially at Anfield. And on top of that, I think he's got the selection wrong, period. You stick Rashford up top against two of the best center halves in the Premier League, that's just not going to work. When you have Trent, a, a glaring weakness, I mean, we saw it a few times, right? With that pass from Martinez to Bruno, it's just you have to attack those weaknesses. And when it's such a glaring weakness like that, you have to try to create situations there. And I, Bruno has never played on the left before. He's played a few games on the right, I know, but he's never played on the left. And for him to try that in, 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 in such a crucial game, that's, he got it wrong today. Massively wrong. Can Man United turn it around from here? Or is this looking like a downward trend? For you guys, well, we'll see. I mean, he turned around after the 4 0 embarrassment at, at Brentford, too. Funnily enough, against Liverpool, and Liverpool are are the ones to hand us back that embarrassment. Um, we have four crucial games coming up two games against Betis, one against Southampton, who managed an impressive win over Leicester, and then FA Cup against Fulham. I'm confident that we will turn it around. We will see how it goes. But yeah, this is probably the first time this season I will say the manager's got it wrong, hands down. He's got it not just wrong, but massively wrong. Crazy stuff. For the record, that is Man United's worst loss in Premier League history and the first time that they are conceding seven in a match. Let's see if Ten Hag can turn it around. As you know, tune in for the preview on Friday, as you know. And yeah. Well, there you have it. That's um a bad weekend for me, but you know, that that's, that's <laughs> an excellent goes. one for me. <laughs> well, at least Tottenham and Newcastle lost, so that's um that's keeping the gap afloat. But yeah, that'll be it for today's episode. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate your support. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Apple Music, Spotify. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure to download the episode and share it with a friend. One of your friends that like football, put it in our football group chat. And don't forget to turn on those notifications. So you guys don't miss any episodes and you stay up to date. And as well, the link to our Facebook page is in the description and the bio.
So go get clicking, join our discussion, like our page, and share our page. Let's get some good football discussion going. And let's get the chat on. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in as always. And peace out.